Good evening. In the absence of uh, your pastor, I will not mention state of origin from this year. <coughs> it wouldn't be fair to me to mention that when he's not here, so I'm not going to mention state of origin this year. <laughs> so I'll just wear the colour instead. Uh, and uh, <coughs> now listen, you've got to rub it in when you can, eh? It doesn't happen that much. <coughs> It's uh, good to be back here in uh, Albany Creek and uh, we're heading back down the, the coast, um, back down to home. God willing, we'll be home in Coffs tomorrow and then uh, next, uh, next Sunday, God willing, I'll be preaching in my home church. I don't think I've preached there since last year, so I'm not there very much, but that'll be a novelty and, um, <clears throat> and then uh, we're off on the uh, preaching trail again. Uh, until the, uh, about the middle of, um, actually about the end of December. So the Lord's good, schedule is full and uh, the Lord's blessing. Thank you so much for your uh, continued partnership in the Lord's work. And uh, <clears throat> let's take our Bibles please, Psalm 81, Psalm 81. Someone's been slurping on that and I'm not sure who it will, most probably pastor. So if someone wants a half-slurped bottle, there's one down there, but I'll open this one, Psalm 81. I want to bring a short message to you this evening entitled, Open Your Mouth Wide, Open Your Mouth Wide, Psalm 81 verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. And let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the beautiful day. Uh, and Dear Lord, we are just so um, honoured to be here meeting in your name. And Lord, we give you our praise and our thanks and our worship this evening. Uh, dear Lord, I pray at this uh, time that you will uh, control my thoughts, my words and... Bless us, Lord. I pray for the work of the Spirit of God uh, to us through the Word of God this evening and encourage some believer, we pray, and we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Oftentimes in the book of Psalms, God, and, and other parts in the Bible, God reminds the children of Israel of what he did when he brought them out of Egypt. And uh, <clears throat> we could read many, many psalms and passages to, to that effect. Psalm 78, verse 12. Marvellous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea, he caused them to pass through, he made the waters to stand as an heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. It was pretty amazing when you think what God did when he brought the children of Israel, his people, out of Israel. You know when uh, Moses um, uh, got the the water, well, 
God got the water to come out of the rock. But you know, we often when you look at the uh, the, the diagrams in, in the in the in the, the picture books and so on, there's this little creek coming out of there. But the Bible scholars tell us that there was up to two million uh, Jews that came out of Egypt, and that being the case, a little stream this wide was not going to water two million people. We are talking about a torrent. We're talking about um, a massive great river and that's exactly what God did he said he he gave them drink out of the great depths and he claved the rocks this wasn't some little fishing creek this was a torrent of water coming down to feed uh, and to water Israel and and all the associated animals they have with them and so on cows drink a lot of water he divided the sea he gave them a, a cloud and he gave them a, a fire and I, I, it doesn't say this, but I, I think maybe God gave them, uh, apart from direction, God gave them the, the cloud to provide some shade during the day. And God gave them the fire. It gets really cold in the desert at night. And maybe the, the fire at night was sort of like a, a, a warming place as well as a place of direction for the children of Israel. Then over in verse 23 though of, of Psalm 78, though he had commanded the clouds from above, and opened the doors of heaven, and had rained down manna upon them to eat, and had given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food, he sent them meat to the full. So God said, look, I know um, it's going to be hard for you to find food in the desert, because there is no food out there, there's no maccas, not the maccas is food really, but there's no maccas out there. So he said, I'm going to uh, let this stuff come down, called manna. And what did they say? They said, what is it? We've got no idea. Um, I reckon it was chocolate, but that's only my... Uh, it definitely wasn't anchovy, but it was chocolate, and uh, it could have been chocolate. But whatever it was, <clears throat> whatever it was, it was really good. And there was a lot of it. A lot of this stuff came out of the sky, angels' food, because they needed that perfect food from God for their vitamins and, and minerals and so on. You see, when God does something, he does it really, really well. So God provided... He, he, he provided, he split the Red Sea there and he, he gave them water and food. And don't turn there, but in uh, Deuteronomy 29, uh, Moses reminds the people that for 40 years, their, their clothing and their shoes didn't wear out. Now, that's pretty amazing. Now, <clears throat> uh, parents here with your, any parents here with young kids, how long does a pair of shoes last for? What, it's three months, six months? Uh, with our kids, it was like, Two weeks. I mean, boys obviously are most probably harder on shoes. Um, <clears throat> our kids used to trash shoes, eh? Um, and I'm like that. I trash shoes like something else. Robin will have a $2 pair of shoes for 10 years, uh, and I'm the opposite. But God said, all right, here's the shoe leather, and it's not going to wear out. 40 years, you say, that's a miracle. It's exactly what it was. And the clothes didn't wear out. Now, a lot of us fellas, our clothes doesn't actually wear out, it just shrinks. <laughs> it shrinks, that's my theory anyway, as to why you can't fit into it ten years later. It just somehow gets smaller. But uh, um, <clears throat> Moses said, no, just realise that you've got, you're, you're still wearing the same clothes for 40 years. God has done this miracle. Your clothes haven't worn out. That's unheard of. That's what God did for his people. And he crushed this enemy and that enemy. And yet, we read in verse 11 of our text passage here in Psalm 81. 
He said, my people would not hearken to my voice. And Israel would, none of me. None of me. I gave them up to their own lusts. They walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. He said, if they'd have walked in my ways, I would have crushed their enemies further. I would have fed them with the finest of the wheat and I would have given them honey from the rock. Why, why did this happen? Why wasn't God able to feed them with the finest of wheat? Why wasn't he able to give them the honey from the rock? Back in Psalm 78, we're chopping and changing here a little bit. Verse number 22. Why was God angry against Israel? Verse 22 of Psalm 78. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. God said, Israel, all you have to do is open your mouth. You open your mouth and I'll fill it. You open your mouth and I'll fill it. But they, but they would not hearken and Israel would none of me. God loved his people he, was, he did incredible things, but he had other things to do to them. He had other gifts and blessings and love to give to them. But Israel would none of me. And in a very short space of time, Israel as a nation just deteriorated. They had a couple of little ups, but for most of the time it was a downhill journey. You know, God has not intended his people to live the life of beggars. That's not what God wants. Now, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about spiritual, spiritually speaking. God does not want us to live a beggarly Christian life. Come over to Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Do you understand what God has given to us in Christ? Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, to whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And, and so on and so on. We could go, you go through the book of Ephesians and, and, uh, and just read about what God has done for his children. It's a lifelong study. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. He said, I've given you, I've just given you all this stuff because you believed. That's it. It's not of you, it's nothing of you, it's all of me. But here it is. Open your mouth, I'll give it to you. You know, we, we, we so often get self-pity and we, get, we complain and, and so on, and we just don't, either we don't know or we, we choose not to remember the blessings that God has given to us as his children. It's awesome. It's awesome being a Christian. Being justified. Being justified. Being redeemed. Being part of God's family. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children or the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 
I am a child of God. He said, you deserve that? Not at all. But I'm adopted into the family of God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. A term of endearment. God is my Father. I am his son. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's mind-blowing stuff. Come over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now, we usually stop at verse 28 here. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purpose. Look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ. He is the firstborn. The word firstborn there is the, worst, is the, word, is the Greek word protocon. We get the word prototype. Jesus was the perfect prototype. We are to be conformed to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's not talking about a new Ferrari or a new <clears throat> Apple watch. That's not what it's talking about. So it's, oh, God's given us all things. That's not talking about that. It's talking about he's given us all things so that we can be conformed to the image of his son. God's given us all these blessings so that we can become more and more and more like Jesus. We don't have to live a beggarly Christian life. Philippians 4.19, you don't have to turn there, you all know it. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now I think this does, this obviously refers to material things. But I think it refers to all things in the Christian life. God says he's going to supply all you need. You just need to open your mouth. John 10 verse 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God says, he says, listen, I've given you all this stuff, but there's a heap more stuff I want you to have. you just got to open your mouth. I don't, I've given you life, but I also want you to have abundant life. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, about driving a, uh, you know, a, a fancy car. If you've got a fancy car, thank the Lord. God never guarantees he's going to give us a fancy car or a fancy house, or a fancy job, that's fine. If you got that, that's fine. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> but there's this thing, an abundant Christian life. And that's what God wants us to have. God said to Israel, look, I've, 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 I've broken the rock there, and I've brought the big raging torrents of water, and I've, I've uh, you know, I've <clears throat> got the Red Sea open. I'm going to look after your shoes. I'm going to uh, give you clothes that don't wear out. I'm going to uh, give you manna from heaven. I'm going to put the fear of my fear into all the nations round about. So look what I've done for you. He said, that's just the start. I've got this place called Canaan. And he said, I tell you what, it's an amazing place. You've got, there's the finest of the wheat. It's going to take two blokes to carry a, you know, a thing of grapes. 
got all that stuff. All you need to do, just open your mouth, I'll give it to you. And Israel said, no, we don't want more of that. We want, we want what the other nations here have. God says, all right, Christian, I've given you this thing called eternal life. You're accepted in the beloved. And he says, I've given you all things so that you can be, become more and more like Jesus, the prototype. Now, all you've got to do is just, just open your mouth. I'll fill it. He wants us to have this thing called <clears throat> abundant life. Why is it then that so many Christians live as spiritual paupers? Spiritual paupers. Defeated Christians. What, what makes our life abundant? What makes our life abundant? Now, I wrote a little list down here. It's not exhaustive by any means. You add to the list if you feel like doing that. But here's my list. I'll mention these things briefly. Number one, what makes our life abundant? Victory. Victory. We sang about it in those songs earlier on. Victory. The Christian life is supposed to be a victorious Christian life. We are supposed to have victory over the flesh. We are supposed to have victory over temptation. Come over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, if you've got your Bible there. If you haven't, we'll read some verses anyway. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. These things write I unto you that ye sin not. Then he goes on to say this. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If any man sin. The Bible doesn't say when any man sins. It says if any man sins. Now we do sin. The previous chapter says this. If any man says he has no sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. I knew a fellow once when we lived uh, down on the uh, Port Stevens back in the early 70s. Uh, we were on a Christian camp. and uh, My mum went to a missionary training college and one of the adult students there said he hadn't sinned for so many years. That was his big thing. <laughs> I don't know how he figured that out, but it was a little bit of a running joke at the time that this fellow was, you know, sinless from that time, but uh, I don't think he was because the Bible says if any man says he has no sin, he deceives himself. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. But the writer here, under inspiration, says if any man sin, not when any man sins, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a defence lawyer. With the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and says he is the propitiation. He is the, and the word propitiation there means, uh, in its root form means mercy seat. He was the mercy seat. You know, back in the Old Testament when they sprinkled the blood on the, on the, on the mercy seat, the, uh, that, that gold structure on top of the Ark of the Covenant, that one, on the Day of Atonement, they, they sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat and made an atonement for the sins. Oh, the high priest did make an atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus is our atonement. Jesus is the mercy seat. He's, he is our propitiation. And so when God looks down on his children, uh, we are sinners, but God doesn't see us. He sees his son. The Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father. We've got a defense lawyer. 
And he says, my father, <clears throat> these are my hands and my feet. The payment was done. What a blessing. So if the Bible says, if any man sin, uh, that means that we can have victory over sin. Now, I'm not saying we don't sin. We do sin. And that's why we have cleansing. 1 John 1, 9. But we don't have to sin. We can live a victorious Christian life. Romans 13, verse 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. And we could say a lot over this, but, you know, so often Christians... So often Christians don't want to have victory over sin. You know why? Because they enjoy their sin. And don't, we don't have time tonight, but go and read through Romans 6 and 7 and 8, and the Bible talks about Romans 7, about yielding your members to unrighteousness. So often we don't have the victory over sin because we enjoy our sin. We enjoy our sin. And because we enjoy our sin, we, we live defeated. But God says, no, 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 there's a way of victory. There's a way of victory. He says, um, neither give place to the devil. Resist the, tev- the devil. We can, have, we can have victory over the evil one. The Bible says, love not the world. We can have victory over the world. And we can have victory over the flesh. That's this flesh with our, what's the word, propensity, our leaning towards sin. There is victory. You can live a victorious Christian life. I didn't say you can live a perfect Christian life. Because we cannot live a perfect Christian life, God gave us 1 John 1, 9. He said, confess your sins. Agree with God that you've sinned and I'll cleanse you. And I'll forgive you. But this abundant life is a life of victory. And you can have victory. If you want to feed the flesh, okay, you'll be defeated. And maybe there's somewhat some Christian here and you are defeated perpetually. A lot of Christians live that way. That's not the way the Christian life is supposed to operate. That's not it. We can have victory over sin. It's there for us. What makes our life abundant? There's a thing called answered prayer. Answered prayer. You know Christians are supposed to have their prayers answered. We talk about praying a lot. John 16 says, have, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now James chapter 4 tells us why we don't get our prayers answered. Let's turn over there just for a second. James chapter 4. <clears throat> Verse 3, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. So firstly, <clears throat> we so often don't get our prayers answered because we ask for the wrong things. Dear Lord, I need a new Ferrari. <laughs> well, most probably you don't. But then the other reason we don't get our prayers answered is found in verse number two. You have not because you ask not. Usually we don't get our prayers answered because we just don't pray. But you know God wants us to pray. You say, I don't know what to ask for. Well, that's fine. Pray and ask God to show you what to ask him for. 
oftentimes I'll pray. I'm not saying I'm a great example of a prayer warrior, but oftentimes I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, I don't know what to pray for here. I'm not sure. Lord, I don't want to ask for the wrong thing, so please will you show me what I should pray for? But that is supposed to be the normal Christian life. We get our prayers answered. But usually we don't get our our prayers answered because we don't pray in the first place. What about a thing called power? What is this abundant life? You know, the Christian life is a life of power. Acts 1, Jerusalem shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth, and so on. The Christian life is a life of power. The key to service is power. Most believers, or a lot of believers, a lot of preachers are powerless. You know, you don't have to be the smartest, the better educated, the cleverest. If you are those things, well, that's fine. Thank the Lord for the talents that he's given to you. But you don't have to be those things. Um, Any fishermen here? Any fishermen? We've got one. Well, there's hope for one amongst us, okay? (laughs) If you're a fisherman, there's hope for you. They looked at those fishermen, those disciples in the days of our Lord, or just the days after our Lord ascended. They look at these fellows, they're fishermen. Not, not the sharpest implements in the shed. Is that, that's pretty true with Ian. Anyway. <laughs> he's not just a fisherman. He's a, I don't know, a sparky or a builder or something like that. Look at these fishermen. They are unlearned, ignorant fellas. They weren't educated. <laughs> they weren't rabbis. They weren't the upper crust. You know, they weren't high caste. Fishermen can't do anything else. They weren't even that good at fishing, I don't think. At least some of the time they weren't. The Bible says, look at these fellas, they've turned the world upside down. We don't have time to go through the book of Acts. Time and time again, you, you read about the power of the Lord was upon them. To do this and to do that. If you want to serve the Lord, you need his power. That's the abundant life. God gives us his power. His Holy Spirit power. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be well connected. You don't have to be super educated. You don't have to be wealthy. You just need to get the power of God in your life. You a Sunday school teacher? Or you a youth worker? or whatever, a school teacher, you need the power of God on your life. You say, well, just for the preacher, yeah, he does. The pastor, the preacher, the evangelist, the missionary, they need the power of God. We all need the power of God. What sets us apart as as a church? What sets us us apart from the RSL club down the road? Or the, I don't know, whatever the... You know, the club, the pub across the road or, you know, a lot of these places have a lot of things for families and, you know, they get people together and, and so, what, what sets us apart? One thing is we have the power of God, they don't. We have the power of the supernatural God to change lives. <clears throat> That's what the Christian life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a life of power. 
We have the, the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit of God who lives within us. And he will give us that power if, if we just ask for it. So often, and I do this myself, I go just running into ministry. Oh, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to run into this ministry, that ministry, that ministry. But I don't even stop to think, hang on, Lord, I really can't do this. Well, I can do it, but it's not going to come to any good unless your power comes into play here. If you're going to serve God, you need his power. That's the abundant Christian life. <clears throat> then there's direction. Direction in life. That makes our life abundant. We have direction in life. Proverbs 3, 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he might direct thy paths. <laughs> Doesn't say that. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. Now the problem there is that we don't acknowledge God like we should. <clears throat> if you're like me, I will acknowledge God as a last resort sometimes. You like that? Man, we, we, we think of everything we can and when everything else fails, well, I better bring God into this. I better try and see what God has to say about this. Uh, uh, uh. God says, you acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths. Then there's a calmness of mind. What makes our life abundant? A calmness of mind. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We live in a world where the mind is under this constant barrage. As Christians, we're supposed to have a sound mind. And then there's the work, the expansion for want of a better word, of the gospel. Brethren, pray for us, the apostle said, 2 Thessalonians 3, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. That's the abundant Christian life, the gospel message going out. <clears throat> well, and I'm sure, as I said, it's not an exhaustive list. There's a lot of things that, God has given to us to make the Christian life abundant. Why is it then that maybe even the average Bible-believing Christian does not have what they could have spiritually? Well, we've already mentioned it here in Psalm 78, 22. Because they believed not in God. Because they believed not in God. Hey, we need to open our mouths wide. Open your mouth. Say, Lord, I, I need your power. I need your victory in my life. I don't have it, but Lord, I need your victory. Lord, I need your discernment. I need your calmness. I need your direction. I need your power. Lord, I need your answering of my prayers. Open your mouth wide. A defeated Christian is no advertisement for the gospel. A defeated Christian is no advertisement for the gospel. And I'm not saying that the Christian life is all roses. You know, oh, it's wonderful, everything's happy. No, that's not the truth. God allows us to go through the, the valley sometimes, oftentimes. He allows us to go through the furnace at times. That's fine. But we can still have 
an abundant Christian life. Oftentimes, we just don't ask for it. We just don't ask for it. I think the reason may be is we have the wrong, we have the wrong idea of, I don't know what I've done there, we have the wrong idea of God. We have the idea that the Lord, well, the Lord saved me, but God is still this sort of like an, I don't know, how do, how do I put it? God is, he'll give out a few morsels here and there, if we're lucky. Some of us must probably think that God is mean. That's not God. We have this incredible God. I mean, salvation is wonderful. It's just the start. See, I'm going to just, I'm going to load through faith in my risen son and his atoning work on the cross. I'm going to give you justification and I'm going to give you, uh, you'll become the righteousness of God through faith. And he said, I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you heaven. I'm going to give you eternity with Jesus. But he said, there's heaps more. I just want to give it to you. Just open your mouth, I'll give it to you. Oh, no, no. We, we come to God. That's why the Bible says when you come to the throne of grace, you come what? Boldly. Boldly. Because we have an awesome God. We have an awesome God. We, we, get, we get the wrong picture of God. I've never actually sat through this movie because I'm not very good at watching movies. Um, we'll put on a... Um, <clears throat> at home sometimes we'll put on something really educational, like a Three Stooges or something. <laughs> but Robin will tell you, I'm not, I fall asleep. Is anyone like that? I can't, I can't watch television. I just fall asleep within five minutes. I'm just snoring, eh? I'm just not good at it. And I've never actually watched this film all the way to the end because I fall asleep. But back in 19... It was the 60s sometime. There's a film called Oliver. Who remembers Oliver? Based on Dickens' Oliver Twist. It's a very famous film. And uh, remember early on in the film, um, Oliver's this, uh, he's an orphan. He's an orphan, isn't he? Orphan? And he's in the orphanage. <clears throat> and you, those of you who've seen the film, I remember this part of the film before I went to sleep. There's Mr. Bumble, played by Harry Seacombe. Mr. Bumble, and, and, and they feed slops to this, um, this orphanage full of boys. And then they decide one day they're going to draw straws, and young Oliver draws the straw to go down to the front to big old Mr. Bumble. And what did he say? He said, please, sir, can I have some more? Oh, please, sir, I want some more. And what did Harry Seacombe say? Mr. Bumble. More! More! You want some more? That's our idea of God sometimes. God is like this big Mr. Bumble and he he gives out a little bit. That's not God. (laughs) That's not the Lord. Our God is a wonderful God. He's a cheerful God. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. He's a wonderful God. He's a kind God. He's a long-suffering God. And he says, I'm going to give you everything you need. Everything you need to be conformed to the image of my son. 
He said, I've given you the prototype. That's my son, Jesus. He's perfect. Now, you're not perfect yet, but I'm going to give you all that you need. In fact, he said, all things are going to work together for good. Some of those things aren't going to seem as real good, but they're all going to work to good. Because I want you, in fact, he says, I've preordained you to be conformed to the image of my son. So everything you need, there it is. Some of those things are not really nice, but we need it. Take the rough edges off. And other things, they're just what you need. But oftentimes, we don't even consider that. We live this little sheltered, defeated Christian life. And occasionally we might go up to the Lord and say, Lord, I could have a little morsel more. And the Lord says, my son, of course you can. And I've got truckloads, I've got warehouses loads of stuff to give you. All you've got to do is open your mouth. Open your mouth. I wonder if there's someone here tonight and you're living that, you're living a defeated Christian life. The flesh has got, got hold of you. That flesh, you have got no victory over the flesh. You can have victory. That's a whole new Bible study on its own. Romans chapter 7, no reckon yield. <clears throat> there's victory, there's answered prayer, there's direction, there's power. Open your mouth wide, God says, and I'll fill, I'll fill it. I wonder if there's someone here tonight, some Christian, and you say, <clears throat> I'm a spiritual pauper at the moment. I'm a spiritual pauper. But I need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just going to open my mouth. I want what you have for me. Let's have all heads bowed and eyes closed, please. If God's spoken to some soul tonight, <clears throat> and your Christian life is just not what it could be or not what it was, <clears throat> the Lord says, I've got something better for you. I've got something better for you. In a few moments, we'll finish with a, a song, whatever, that, whatever you want to play. But if you need to come and spend some time with the Lord, just kneel at your seat or come to the altar here. Say, Lord, maybe I just need to realise who you are. You're the God who loves me. You're not a despot. You're not a dictator. You're the God who is love and kindness and mercy and long-suffering. God's given us everything for us to be conformed to the image of His Son.